All right, with that, let, let's, uh, let's jump into this morning's message and uh, get, get into it here. Today, I am, uh, we're, we're going to talk about a subject um, that a lot of people would love to avoid, um, and I was tempted to avoid it. Um, I, here's my disclaimer. If you're new to, to Mountain View, we uh, do not get involved in politics, um, and we don't do political series. We don't put things on your chairs telling you how to vote. We don't do any of that. Um, however, uh, the political arena is obviously something that majorly uh, affects us and our culture. So um, today, uh, I'm going to... I'm going to talk about two subjects that people say never to talk about, and that is religion and politics. Um, so uh, I will say this. Um, I have given some form of this sermon two other times, and I've had at least three people get up and leave, not because they needed coffee, um, uh, during the message. And I've had two families leave churches over it. So um, yay. Um, so anyway... Um, but I will say this, uh, so the temptation is obviously to avoid it, but, but my hope is that you will see and understand, one, I'm not a political person. In fact, I probably should know more than I do. I should be probably a little bit more involved than I do. But I am someone who puts my hope in Jesus. And I believe that we have a problem in the church and that we allow ourselves to get wrapped up into putting our hope in a politi political leaders and parties and not in Jesus. So, so I don't represent a party. I'm not in any way going to encourage you to vote in one way or another um, other than to seek God and vote how you believe the Spirit is leading you, um, but, but not to allow yourself to get wrapped up in making Jesus a part of a political agenda. Okay? So that's kind of the, the uh, thrust of where we're going. I just figured I'd lay the whole thing out at the beginning. Um, <coughs> Uh, so this morning's title is this sermon is entitled "Jesus is bigger than your party." Now I am going to say this: I I have a migraine. Last service I struggled through. I can't. It's hard for me to see um, even with my glasses. So um, I kind of had to stay glued to my notes a little bit more than I than I normally do. So I apologize. Um, that's this is a very rare thing for me, but um, but we will get through it. Just know that I hate looking at my screen. But when I walk away, I can't find where I'm at because I can't see there. All right, so having said that, Titus 3, 1 through 2. If you would turn your Bibles to Titus 3, 1 through 2, we're going to jump in and, uh, and look at what God's Word says. But let's, just, let's pray real quick. Thanks, God, for your Word and your truth. And God, as your followers, I pray that we um, would hear what you have for us this morning with a desire to, to serve you over everything else. Um, and a desire to understand that, that there is no country, there is no party, there is no person that fully represents you. You don't fit into any of our boxes. Um, so God, help us to be open, to have uh, open hearts to what you would have for us this morning. And throughout this political season, to have open hearts to, um, to showing love and mercy and grace and a desire for justice um, in the midst of it all. In your name we pray. Amen. So Titus 3, 1 through 2 says this. It says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, and to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true, true humility towards all men. Now, does that just not perfectly describe the political climate in America? 
It doesn't, just so you know. Some of you, I think, are wondering. I, does it? I don't know. Um, no, it, l- listen to that. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready to do whatever is good. And notice it does not say, remind the people to be subject to the rulers and authorities that you wholeheartedly agree with and support. It says those who are the rulers and authorities. Now, if you study this passage and you study the times, you will know that most of the rulers and authorities were in no way people that supported biblical ideas. So they, they're being told in Scripture to support and be, or to at least be mindful and obedient to authorities that don't support their worldview. And he goes on, slander no one, be peaceable and considerate to show true humility towards all men. It is amazing to me how much of political campaigning is nothing to do with what we have to do to fix things. It has everything to do with slandering and and running other people through the mud. I don't care how much you hate someone else. Tell me what you're going to do to fix it. So as, as we look at that, what is our what, what do we do as believers? How do we how do we have that kind of mindset that, that's described here? <coughs> so. Let's go ahead and look and see what we can find out. You know, the year of presidential election is always one that's filled with a lot of tension. It's oftentimes polarizing in our country, and perhaps this time even more than ever. And yet, even though it's polarized us, almost no one I talked to was actually excited about the person they're voting for. It's just that they kind of think, well, they're better than that person. Um, Everyone has their views, and sometimes we're not very open to hearing other points of view. Oftentimes we're downright mean towards people that support views and politicians other than ours. You know, because of that, I'd be honest, like I said, I was tempted to ignore this topic. Um, But I believe the elections are a very important issue in America. And it's important, it's an important way for us to be able to express our freedom. I want to celebrate our country. I want to celebrate the freedom we have because I think that we should be thankful for it every day. But I want to challenge us a little this morning as well. Like I said, I'm not sharing as a political person. Um, I probably don't know as much about politics as I should. Um, I'm speaking this morning more as someone who has questions. Questions about how faith and politics work together. Questions about our responsibility in this world. The reality is that we live in the most prosperous land on earth, and yet we still have not solved our epidemics of homelessness, poverty, adequate health insurance or health care for children, racism, and many other pressing issues. A lot of our wars that we have fought in the last few decades have been riddled with questionable justifications. Just a few years ago, we were told that we were, we were about to have what was called the most divided election ever, and yet this one seems to be worse. Some have dubbed us the 50-50 nation. And every election year, it seems to be filled with mudslinging and twisting of the truth. And yet after the fact, the candidates talk about how we're supposed to be working together to bring the country together. How do you do that? How do you work together with someone who just ran your name through the mud? How do you work together with with people that are constantly accusing you and and throwing out every accusation and and every little thing you've ever done before the media and using 
manipulation of media and a twisting of the truth to, to get your agen- their agendas across? How do we work together when we're so wrapped up into that? See, it scares me when politicians spend so much time slandering one another. Rather than focusing on solutions, it seems like all they do is point out problems. I mean, can you imagine going to a job interview and doing that? Can you imagine going to a job interview and the candidating for the job and, and when the employer asks you about what you bring to the table, what, what strengths you have that's going to make you the best for that position, how you can benefit the company, how, where you see the company going in, a, in five years because of your leadership and your, your position. Can you imagine, instead of actually talking about what you can do and what you see as changes that need to be made, all you did was talk badly about the other people candidating for that position? Can you imagine that kind of job interview? You'd be thrown out. No one would want you. And yet, that seems to be all we are wrapped up in with our politics. Reminds me of advice one of my mentors gave me. Years back, as I got into ministry, he said, you're going to find in ministry that there are a lot of people in the church who complain about what someone else does, but they don't contribute to making things better. They, they'll sit back and, and point fingers and complain and say things should be different, but they actually don't contribute to solutions. And he said, don't put your energy into those people. Put your energy into the people that are jumping in and getting their hands dirty and doing the work. Those are the people that are worth the investment. So we have to ask ourselves, what kind of message are we sending to our young people about our politics and our faith when that's a state of affairs? So this morning, I want to remind us all, Jesus is bigger than our party. There is no one political agenda that represents Jesus Christ. In the 50s through the 70s, the Democrats... Uh, dressed Jesus in blue-collar clothes and claimed him as their mascot. You know, they, they, they took Jesus hostage as a, as a Democrat. But in the 80s, the Republicans took him hostage and put him in a suit and said he was a part of their, their party. Jesus will not be hostage to any party. Jesus didn't switch parties, just so everyone knows. Um, the reality is he's never has and he never would belong to any political party. In Jesus' day, he shunned political parties. In fact, he would not allow himself to be used to promote men's agenda. He rebuked his disciples when they tried to have have him establish his own earthly kingdom. See, the reality is that, that neither side has it right. And my concern for today is that we've reduced faith in politics to policies on a couple minor issues and not, not to say that they're minor, but a couple issues, rather than looking at the entire scope. seems like we all but ignore how faith should impact social justice, poverty, the environment, a response to genocide. See, many from the religious right have simply written those kinds of issues off as being liberal left-wing issues. Well, oftentimes... The liberal left writes issues like abortion or religious freedom issues off as extreme right-wing issues. I heard and, and read many things about our, last, about our presidential election in 2008 that all but said that the only Christian way to vote at that, in that year was Republican. What does that say to the average African-American Christian of which 90% 
voted Democratic. What does it say to the some 30% of active Christians who voted Democratic? See, it seems to me that this kind of language only serves to separate God's people, only serves to separate us on issues rather than keeping us focused on the main thing and the actual solution. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 7, 1 through 5. This is a familiar passage for many. It's at the end of, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus reminds us this. He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, it seems to me that politics, faith, and the American people would be better served to spend more time examining ourselves and not only our political issues, but also our actual behavior, our morals, and our worldviews, rather than constantly just pointing the finger at people on the other side of the fence. It seems to me that the church needs to rise above the, the politics of man and be more focused on serving Christ. Not that politics can't be good, but rather than the church being used to serve one political agenda, wouldn't it be a lot better if the church utilized politics to serve God's agenda? I submit that neither party is ever going to be fully committed to God's agenda. Therefore, when we try to make God fit into the box of one political party, we, we are flirting with something far greater than simple political manipulation. We're flirting with idolatry, which is the first point of this morning's message. Politics is idolatry. Romans 1, if you want to turn, Romans 1, verse 22 through 25, just a few books after Matthew. It says this. It says, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, exchanged the glory of a mortal God for images to look like a donkey and an elephant. Just kidding. Um, to look like a mortal human being. Some of you, like, you younger people, are like, what? What's a donkey and all that? Um, um, to, they, to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. You see, whenever we try to fit God, into our agenda or picture, we're forming him in our image. We're forming him in the image of man. We're making an idol. See, God transcends any picture we could ever create of him. He can't be defined by man's ideas. And to try to do that is foolishness. See, it's easy we read a passage like that and we think, oh, well, he's talking about idols of pagan, pagan cultures. Yes, at the time, that's what it was. But in our culture... We have very much made politics an idol. We believe that politics is somehow going to save us. We believe that politics are somehow going to fix the plight of this world. Read your Bibles, people. The Bible tells us that, 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 that it's never going to get fixed through these things. We, we, can, we can put Band-Aids and we, we, can, 
we can move it in general directions. But, but the reality is we'll never fix the plight of this world through a political agenda. No leader will ever be able to, to work it all out. No system, no, no program, no government is ever going to do it. It happens when we as believers, as Christ followers, take responsibility for the things that we hold to. And we, we, we begin to act and live on those things. See, the reality is, is in the church, we need to stop asking, is God on our side? And we need to start asking, am I on God's side in each individual issue? In each thing? Am I, am I really thinking the way God thinks in this situation? The reality is we'll still get it wrong sometimes. But is that, are we even starting with that question? Or are we starting with, this is how I think, and I want God to be on my side? We need to be careful with that. That's idolatry. See, God is bigger than your party. God is bigger than your party. God stands above all political parties, and he calls them all in the judgment. You see, in God's eyes, just as every human is corrupt, and in need of forgiveness, so is every political party, every government, every nation. Both political parties incorporate a little bit of God's truth, but both parties are also guilty of twisting this truth. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17 through 21, you'll find it in the beginning, towards the beginning of your Bibles. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17 through 21 says this, it says, for the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who throws, shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. You see who it says is who, who, who's really in charge, who's, who's over all this. It says he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are for foreigners. For you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Now, I want to tell you something I'm not saying in this passage that I've had two or three people tell me. And I'm not saying I disagree or agree. I'm not, I, I think you need to vote there again how you believe God's leading you. But the part where it says, and you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves are foreigners in Egypt. Um, I've had people say, oh, see, that's saying that we're supposed to open our borders. That's, and they turn it, once again, turning it into a political thing. No, that's not what it's saying. I'm not saying it, yet you, you can't vote that way. But, we're, once again, we're trying to take God's word and turn it into government policy. What he's saying is you should love those who are foreigners. And if you know a foreigner, of even if they're illegal or illegal, you should treat them like a human being and love them in a, in a, in a godly way. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you still don't have laws. That doesn't necessarily mean that I, I, have, a, I have a friend who's a Hispanic pastor who works with a lot of illegal immigrants. And he, you know, he says, no, I vote every time to close make the borders harder because I, it'll, it'll destroy the country and, and I worked hard to get here legally and you know so, so my, my, I'm not trying to take either side of that what is, I am saying is though is don't don't 
use that to take a side. It's saying, how do we personally respond? How do we personally respond? Do you respond in love to people? Are you, are you taking care of people who have need? Are you taking care of people who, who are in distress, who are out of their comfort zones, who are alien? Or are you more only concerned with your own agenda? See, any pol- all the politics and policies and amendments in the world are not going to accomplish what he can accomplish and will in one day. It is he that we, the church, should serve and pray. But as we see here, he calls us to serve the poor, the afflicted, and the alien. I saw a T-shirt a couple months ago that said, Jesus is not a Democrat or a Republican. He's a communist. And, uh, you know, there again, if we try to take the word of God and turn it into government policies, you could say Jesus is a communist because it talks about making sure everyone has need and never – Never letting any, anyone go hungry. Meaning, okay, everyone. But that's, he's not saying, hey, this is a political structure we should have. He's saying you as believers, as followers of me, should make sure on your own, not because you're mandated, not because you're some law set up, on your own, you should be the people who are doing those things, who are taking care of people. Not trying to call us for some political mandate. Jesus never got involved in the political time. He never called government to do these, those things. He called the people to. And the fact is that the more that government does take over, the less freedom the church has to play that role. Unfortunately, it's oftentimes easier to justify our politics to proclaim that God is on our side than it is to truly seek out God's purposes, views, and plans. And to ask ourselves if we are on God's side. We're reminded in that scripture that that we are all strangers that are knit together by God who has done great things for us. And I believe that same God who brought his people out of Egypt is the same God who gave us this beautiful and abundant land. At a time when the church of of Europe was becoming irrelevant and corrupt, the Americas provided a place of renewal and renovation within the church. If we're not careful, though, the church in America could become the next European church. We've got to get rid of the idea that God is this private God, that our faith is just between him and us. That's not the gospel that Jesus preached. I believe Jesus taught the exact opposite. He taught us that our faith should affect every decision we make, every policy we set, every value we hold to. Jesus never said that we will know that we'll know we are Christians by how we vote. Said he'll, he'll know we are Christians by how we, by how we love. Said never said that we can change the world through political policies and systems. Just read the Sermon on the Mount, and you'll see that God is anything but a private God. What you'll see is that God is a personal God, but there is a big difference between personal and private. God wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with each one of us, but He wants that relationship. To affect us in such a way that the things that break his heart break our hearts. He wants to see us make a commitment to stand against the injustices of this world. The question is not just, the question is not should our faith affect our politics. The question is how should it affect our politics. As long as we try to fit 
got into the box of any political party, we're asking the wrong question, and we're always going to get the wrong answer. He is greater than our party, and he is greater than our nation. America is not God's kingdom. So that's our next point. God is greater than our nation. America is not God's kingdom. We do not have the keys to the kingdom. Americans like to kind of see ourselves as God's chosen people. But that's a very limited worldview. God's people are his church. The church that has existed far before the existence of this great country, and depending on your view of the end times, a church that's going to exist long after this nation is gone. The church is not set on man's plans and ideas. The church is built upon the foundation of God by God. Yeah, we bring our corruption into the church a lot. But God will not allow it to be corrupted like man's government. He always brings it back to himself. Since the existence of time, superpower kingdoms, empires, and countries have risen up and made the claim that they are the protectors against evil and that they are called to wipe evil from the face of the earth. But guess what? Evil still exists, and all of those nations and empires are gone. And to it, God has remained. The reality is that God's truth can't be held among the corruption of man. No matter how good those men and women or that country may be, mankind will always seek to distort God's truth in order to promote our own agenda. And that leads to our final point. God's kingdom has no earthly headquarters. God's kingdom has no earthly headquarters. Our allegiance has got to always fall with God's worldwide church over our allegiance to our country. As a church, we need to quit relying on human laws, weapons, and, and power to accomplish God's work and begin relying on his power, begin relying on the power of the church, begin relying on the power of prayer, begin relying on the power of God's people coming together in fellowship and unity. We need to focus our attention to God's weapons and spiritual power. And I think we would all agree that communism has caused a lot of great problems in our world and has even been called by many political and religious leaders as an, an evil power. At the same time, look at communist China and see that in the face of a government that is anti-God and even hostile towards Christianity, we have one of the fastest growing churches in the world. Why? Because they're looking to the government to fix their problems? Because they're looking to the government to fight for their rights? Because they're looking to the government to create policies that represent their belief structure? No, because they're looking to God, and they know that God is more powerful than their government. And they stand against oppression, and they stand against all types of persecution. In a place where Christians are being persecuted, the church is thriving. And yet, at the same time, Many are accusing the church in the United States of becoming stagnant. Is it possible that it's true because we're too busy trying to protect our ground rather than making a concerted effort to care for the poor, the aliens, and the widows? Corrupt politics cannot do what only God can do. If evil is very real and very much a part of the sinful human condition, 
then it doesn't make sense to believe that all the evil is out there in some other party or some other government or some other country. Evil exists in everything that man makes up. Personal agendas exist in all of it. We need to take back our faith. We need to stop allowing parties to hold the church hostage with their agendas. And we need to prayerfully seek God when it comes to how we vote. We need to stop fighting and protecting our own interests. It's time for the church to take back its power, and that only happens when the church is busy doing what God calls it to do, to take care of the poor and the widows, to love, to forgive, to show mercy, show grace. The world views us as weak. And I believe the last couple of decades, the Church of America has given the world a lot of reasons to think so. We're so busy defending, it seems how that we've forgotten how to attack. And I don't mean attack other people or thoughts or ideas, but to attack the real problem. Church has forgotten that God calls us to attack the problem through His power, not to allow man made structures and systems to do it, not to step out of the way and simply hand over dollars for programs to be run, but for us to be actively involved in it, for us to take that time we spend fighting on Facebook or dealing with issues in. In, in reading all everything we can read about, to take that time and actually get involved, actually put our hearts into it and serve the world around us. When we do that, God's agendas, God's views, rise above the world's views. Let's commit to being a people whose hearts are broken by the things that break the hearts of God, the heart of God and not a people who allow ourselves to be taken captive by corrupt men's and women's ideas. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for our time to just be able to come together and and worship you and, and even to question and, and think about where we stand on things and and how we present ourselves, how we get wrapped up in the issues that are going on in this world. God, help us to, to have a heart to, to really seek you as elections come. God, I, I know that not everyone in this room will vote the same. There will be difference of opinion and there will be different passions that you put on our hearts that, that we vote accordingly to. But God, I pray that we, we seek to vote how you would, would call us to.
and that through that, through that we bring glory to you. Not glory to any party, not glory to any person. As we just remember that our allegiance is to you. You are the king. You are the Lord. And that we don't serve any other agendas. God, help us to have a desire to not just sit back and allow media and parties to grab our attention, but to be actively focused in putting our attention to you and giving you glory and seeing 